shaken awake by a terrifying blast. Tonight, the aftermath of an early morning chemical plant explosion and the safety concerns for people across parts of St. Catharines. We'll bring you that story in a moment. We begin with a developing story in the city's east end and another troubling instance of violence in our schools. Police say they are investigating what caused a fight in a washroom inside East York Alternative School and what led to someone firing a gun. CTV's Beth McDonnell is at East York right now and joins us live with the latest. Beth. Michelle, I can tell you the shooting happened in a bathroom here at East York Alternative School. Police were called shortly after one this afternoon because of a fight. And tonight I can tell you an outreach worker who tried to break up that fight ended up with a bullet in their shoe. Late this afternoon, what appeared to be a handgun was found in the parking lot of the school. Police say the incident involves six people of interest. What we've learned is when the worker came in the bathroom, one shot was fired, it ricocheted and went into the shoe of the worker. We're told their foot has some bruising, that it's a minor injury. After the shooting, the school, which had about 60 students here at the time, went into lockdown. The TDSB says that typically means students go in a room, stay quiet, turn off the lights and close the doors. We're very fortunate that nobody was seriously injured in this incident. But having said that, every time something like this happens, it's, it's uh, very concerning for the police. It's very concerning for the Toronto District School Board, for all school boards and for the students alike. Uh, just because somebody um, was miraculously uh, uh, saved from further injury on this doesn't mean it's uh, any less concerning for us. It's premature right now to confirm that every single one of them was a student. It's indeed possible. All we're saying right now is that we're working to confirm everyone that was in that, in that bathroom at the time of the, uh, the altercation. The lockdown has since been lifted. Late this afternoon, one parent showed up upset that East York Collegiate was not put into lockdown. It's located right next to the alternative school. Police say the six people of interest took off on foot going east down Cosburn tonight. Police are asking anyone with information, any witnesses, anyone with video to contact them. Reporting live, I'm Beth McDonnell. Now back to Michelle and Nathan. Thank you, Beth. Turning to another developing story that may have you scrambling to re-scramble your online passwords. The LCBO says the online security threat it's been looking into may have resulted in some stolen data. Our Austin Delaney joins us with a story getting a lot of interest right now. Austin. Well, if you've been buying your liquor inside the store using a debit card or a credit card, this does not affect you. But if you've been buying your liquor through the LCBO online, pay attention to this story because your information might have been compromised. A major cybersecurity breach at the LCBO that has knocked out its online shopping and mobile app since Tuesday. The Crown Corporation sent out a statement today that reads in part, At this time, we can confirm that an unauthorized party embedded malicious code into our website that was designed to obtain customer information during the checkout process. It goes on to warn, Unfortunately, customers who provided personal information at our checkout pages and proceeded to our payment page on LCBO.com between January 5, 2023 and January 10, 2023 may have had their information compromised. I definitely uh, make sure I'm careful about what I'm uh, doing online and my transactions and watching that and uh, watching my bank accounts as well. In terms of hacking, what can we do? Actually, my credit card got compromised just before Christmas. 
online. I don't know how, but they made some random crazy purchases. Do you concern yourself when you when you put your information online, your credit cards and stuff? Not really. I'm pretty open and trustworthy. The hospitals, now this. So yeah, it's scary. The LCBO warns the cyber thieves may have been able to gather a lot of private customer information. This could include names, email and mailing addresses, aeroplan numbers, LCBO.com account password and credit card information. This incident did not affect any orders placed through our mobile app or vintageshoponline.com. This is not the only high-profile cyber attack recently. SickKids Hospital continues to recover from a ransomware attack. The global ransomware operator later publicly apologized and offered sick kids the tools to recover the stolen information. The LCBO has not said if there has been a ransom demand, but it does warn. Out of an abundance of caution, we recommend all customers who initiated or completed payment for orders on LCBO.com during this window monitor their credit card statements and report any suspicious transactions to their credit card providers. Now, the LCBO says it has brought in an outside forensic team. Tonight, they tell us the online shopping is back on. You will be prompted to change your password. Reporting live, I'm Austin Delaney. Nathan? All right. Thank you, Austin. In Hamilton tonight, shock and disbelief after a hit and run that left one teen dead and another facing criminal charges. The incident taking place just after school was let out Wednesday has a community struggling to understand what happened. CTV's John Mosselman is in Hamilton tonight with more on this tragic story. John. Well, Michelle, it's a devastating story. What we do know is that the 15-year-old who was killed and the 15-year-old who is accused in this case both went to the same high school just down the street. The flag outside St. Thomas More Catholic Secondary School was lowered to half-mast today. Students also wore purple in honor of a 15-year-old student who was killed in a hit-and-run crash less than half a kilometer from the school. Flowers and candles have been placed near the scene. It's really heartbreaking. He was a really good friend with us. We were really good friends. He was always really nice to everyone. I didn't, I didn't know him that well, but it's a sad thing what happened. The student was hit on Upper Paradise Road near Stone Church Road around 3 p.m. on Wednesday. Investigators say a 15-year-old fellow student was allegedly speeding when this happened. The driver fled the scene. He was later located and arrested by police. He's charged with fail to remain causing death and dangerous driving causing death. The 15-year-old driver cannot be identified under provisions of the Youth Criminal Justice Act. We don't know who owned the car. This mother says her son is friends with the boy who was killed. He was really sad, you know, yesterday, you know, he was in really bad shape. And he said, I wish, I wish I saw him. I can't take him home. Like, what won't happen to him. I know a lot of people that knew the kid personally. So I felt like just out of respect, I just had to come place some flowers, just, you know, give a prayer. It's the only thing that's right. The student was rushed to a hospital, but he did not survive. A crisis response team has been sent to help staff and students at the school. A memorial has also been set up at the teen's locker. Brian Daly is the principal. Very charismatic. He was a, a big, tall boy, uh, and he's well-liked uh, by both staff and students. The Hamilton-Wentworth Catholic District School Board released this statement. Quote, we are deeply saddened by the death of one of our students yesterday as a result of being struck by a motor vehicle. Our entire Catholic school system is united in prayer for the repose of this soul, his family, and the St. Thomas More community. Hamilton Mayor Andrea Horvath called this incident disturbing. Hamiltonians are, are quite um, 
concerned and upset, as am I uh, as the mayor. Uh, and I just want to extend my, uh, my deepest condolences. Hamilton police say the investigation continues. The vehicle involved is a dark blue-colored Dodge Caliber. Anyone with cell phone or dash cam video is asked to contact Hamilton police. And witnesses tell us that the victim was crossing the street right here and the car was coming from the small hill behind me. Police say it was coming at a high rate of speed. Reporting live in Hamilton, I'm John Musselman. I'll send it back to you. Thank you, John. Just down the road, a lot of anxiety throughout much of the day for people living near a hazardous waste plant in St. Catharines. A series of morning explosions and a large fire triggered the evacuation of surrounding homes and sent one man to hospital. Our Mike Walker has been following the story throughout the day and joins us now. Mike. Well, Nathan, Michelle, fire crews remain on the scene at this hour, continuing to put out hotspots. There was one employee inside the plant when that explosion happened. An entire neighborhood evacuated those residents, describing the terrifying moments when they heard the series of powerful explosions. A security camera captures the first explosion just after 6.30 a.m. at a massive industrial fire in St. Catharines. Those pops you hear are a series of explosions that rock nearby residents and could be heard several kilometers away. I've never felt or heard anything like that in my life ever. It was like air punched me in the face. The booms of explosions could be heard and felt 30 minutes later as fire lights up the sky. We could see all the smoke and the sky was bright red. So yeah, it was scary and panicking and... It happened at Sonics Products, a hazardous materials company on Kiefer Road. The fire chief says responding crews encountered a number of explosions. What we had for the first hour was uh, a large number of aerosols that were exploding. The section of the building that contained mostly paint-type chemicals, which was the main piece of the fire. There was one employee at the facility when the fire broke out. Sonic's owner tells CTV News the employee may have just been showing up for work. He suffered significant burns and is now being treated at Sunnybrook Hospital. The employee was in the building alone. Uh, they were there prior to any other staff members. We don't know any of the events that led up to the explosion. We know that there was kind of an, an initial catalyst explosion. The fire spreading to a neighboring business. Home and businesses north of the facility were evacuated due to a black plume of smoke glowing towards the area. More than 50 residents have been brought to an evacuation center, many with just the clothes on their backs. The explosion was so big and I thought, wow, there must be a storm coming or something. I am worried about because of the smoke that was coming directly over my home. Police have closed a large perimeter of roads around the scene. Residents in nearby neighborhoods have been told to shelter inside. Crews spent most of the day containing the fire and preventing it from spreading to other sections of the building. One area of concern contains parasitic substances. Because if it uh, gets heated up, it is uh, toxic and can explode. So crews are working to make sure that we cut that off. The Ministry of Environment is monitoring air quality while a hazardous material company is trying to stem the runoff water from flowing into the lake. Late this afternoon, evacuees were allowed to return home. And the latest update we got from the fire chief just a short time ago is that everything is under control. Again, crews are continuing to put out hotspots. The fire marshal's office is also now on scene and is just starting its investigation into the cause. Reporting live, I'm Mike Walker. Back to you. All right, thank you, Mike. An Ontario construction company is facing charges after six people were killed in a crash in Barrie last August. 
The friends, all in their early 20s, died when their vehicle plunged into a concrete pit in a construction zone. The crash site was found nearly 20 hours after the group was last seen. Police have charged Con Drain with six counts of criminal negligence causing death. A live look at the city tonight, and there you go. You can see it once again after all that fog has lifted. If you're, you were feeling kind of meh about the sloppy, wet weather today, you may not like what we have to tell you next. Lindsay Morrison is here with a look at the current conditions. What's on the way, Lindsay? Well, Michelle, just in time for that fog to lift, we have some rain and some snow moving into southern Ontario. Here's a look at the satellite and radar imagery, and I'm going to zoom in here so you can see the mixing line that's slicing its way through just between Mississauga and Brampton over toward the Vaughan area. So some areas all already seeing wet snow. Those closer to the shoreline of Lake Ontario continuing to get rain at this hour. It's still foggy around Niagara, around uh, southern Georgian Bay, and in through sections of eastern Ontario. Significant snow is expected to the northeast of Peterborough and over toward Ottawa through the night tonight. We are currently at two degrees here in the city of Toronto. We're monitoring the temperature starting to fall, and as that happens, we will change over to some wet snow. It could continue through the night tonight, and waking up tomorrow morning, your Friday commute could be impacted. We'll tell you what you need to know coming up in your weather forecast. For now, though, Nathan, I'm going to send it over to you. All right. Thanks, Lindsay. Amid rising inflation and interest rates, the prospect of paying higher taxes is putting pressure on Toronto families. While business owners also feeling the strain thanks to a proposed hike for commercial properties, CTV's Allison Hurts reports. I know you do. Mother of three and business owner Megan Monroe was already feeling squeezed with a 25% higher grocery bill before learning of the proposed property tax hike. It was another another hit, right, to, to families. She's also a business owner and says the commercial property tax increase will make her lease go up. It's yet again another increase for families and for, for businesses to deal with when all the prices are increasing on everything. The draft budget includes a 5.5% property tax increase. That's on top of an already approved 1.5% city building levy jump, meaning families will see a 7% higher bill. For commercial properties, the budget asks businesses to pay 2.75% more. The principal priority I had was to preserve frontline services. So we kept the tax rate, uh, rate increase at 5.5% below the rate of inflation, and we enhanced some services and preserved all the others. Any tax hike is not welcome news by residents, especially in an environment where inflation's high, interest rates have gone up. Real estate agent Steve Jelenic says home sales are down about 45%, causing millions in losses for the municipal land transfer tax. But he says a silver lining for homeowners is Toronto's property taxes are based on the assessed value, which is roughly 60% of the market value. Toronto actually has the lowest uh, percentage tax rate on the assessed value out of any city in Ontario. That may be little comfort as inflation bloats prices for everything from gas to groceries. For the last... 20 or 30 years, um, the provincial government has taken on more responsibility for costs that don't vary so much year to year, whereas the city has to deal with um, very volatile costs and doesn't have a lot of new ways of uh, generating revenues. Monroe says her business is all right, but it was a tight holiday season, making the timing of this terrible. We need to support our small businesses because they are feeling it the most. And I've never seen so many small businesses closing as I've seen lately. A trend she worries may continue in this financial climate. Alison Hurst, <laughs> CTV News, Toronto. 
getting dinged at the doctor's office. Are patients in Ontario being charged new fees for basic services? Consumer reporter Pat Foran uncovers what OHIP should cover. That's just ahead. We're getting more reaction tonight from the news of a series of subway swarming attacks over the holidays. Police say several teens were roaming the TTC in mid-December, assaulting people. The incidents all occurring just before minutes before a shocking murder. CTV's Janice Golding's at Union Station with more. Janice. Hi, Nathan. Toronto police are hoping members of the public will come forward with information related to a series of assaults that took place in the subway uh, in the minutes and hours before a Toronto man was stabbed to death. On a Saturday night, the subways are often busy. And on Saturday, December 17th, police say a group of teens was busy causing mayhem, alleging a group of 8 to 10 teenaged girls randomly assaulted people on line one. That's really scary. I don't know like what the, what the coincidence is that it's 8 to 10 women. Um, and it's, it's really sad to think that girls are doing this. It's quite disturbing, you know. I mean, it'll, I hope that they'll have some information on, you know, what what led up to it, like what, what was going on with them. Police say the attacks occurred at Queen's Park subway station, then at St. Patrick, Osgood, St. Andrew, and finally Union Station. There doesn't seem that there's any discrimination with the way that it happened. So it's a little worrying how it feels like it could happen to like anyone, anywhere, without any sort of warning. The random attacks happened that Saturday between 10 p.m. and midnight. And while police are not officially linking the incidents, at 17 minutes after midnight, 59-year-old Ken Lee was stabbed to death outside Union Station, allegedly swarmed by a group of teenage girls. The fact that somebody was killed and there were attacks leading up to it, that is pretty concerning. It's just very unfortunate. Um, I, I can't like walk down the street without looking past my shoulder every once in, once in a while, and situations like this just like scare me more, more than ever. Eight girls who range in age from 13 to 16 years of age have been arrested and charged with second-degree murder. Witnesses have told CTV News that Lee, who was homeless, was swarmed and stabbed when he was trying to help a friend when a group of teens tried to steal her bottle of liquor. Citing a publication ban, Toronto police will not confirm that these alleged assaults are related in any way to the murder of Ken Lee. However, at the time of Lee's attack, Toronto police did say that they believe that the teens were involved in at least one other attack earlier in the evening. Reporting live, Janice Golding, now back to Nathan. All right, thank you, Janice. Where is El Nazhash Tamiri? Police asking that question tonight, one year after she was kidnapped from a home in Wasaga Beach. Her family hoping for any new leads to help them find the 37-year-old. CTV Sean Lee Thung reports on the update from authorities. A violent abduction followed by a year of silence. Elnaz Hajtamari is missing. Her family wants answers. And now the OPP and York Regional Police are making an offer. A $100,000 reward to anyone who has information that will lead to the location of Elnaz. Police also releasing sketches of two suspects asking for help. Someone knows these men. The story of Elnaz Hajtamari's abduction goes back farther than one year. In December 2021, she was attacked in a Richmond Hill parking garage, a failed abduction attempt, police say, where the 37-year-old was struck requiring 40 stitches. Hajtamari went to stay with family in Wasega Beach for safety. Obviously, from the original incident, a place of safety was recognized. And that's where that ended up being. And that was agreed upon with her and her family as well as the police. But on the night of January 12, 2022, 
There was a second attempt. Three men dressed as police officers pulling Hajj Tamari barefoot from the home and into a white Lexus SUV. Since that time, there has been no word and no ransom demands. When asked how frustrating it is for police in their inability to crack this case, Detective Inspector Martin Graham said that in his 30 years as a police officer, he's never seen a case quite like this. A female not involved in crime is literally plucked out of her house with violence and is, has, nothing's been seen or heard from her in one calendar year. That is incredibly rare. But there are several persons of interest. Three men have been charged in relation to the attack in Richmond Hill, but only Hedgetamari's ex-boyfriend, Mohammed Lilo, has been charged in relation to Wasega Beach. Hedgetamari's mother released a video pleading for help last year, along with another statement read by police today. When asked if police think Hedgetamari is still alive? I do not know. I would always say, and it has been since day one, my biggest hope is that she is alive. My greatest fear is that she is not. Police say their goal remains the safe return of Elnaz Hajtamari to her friends and family. Sean Thong, CTV News. Sean, police are asking for your help identifying a suspect seen lurking outside an East York home. Police shared this home security footage as part of a prowl by night investigation. They say this man was spotted circling a home near Pape and Torrens Avenue early January 3rd. He was there for about two hours looking into windows and knocking on the front door. Anyone with information is asked to contact police. A warning about this next story. It contains images some viewers may find disturbing. A Richmond Hill woman says she feels blindsided that an upcoming criminal trial and her sister's death was thrown out and that a crucial video will never be seen by a jury. CTV's John Woodward explains. This is video of the three minutes that cost Stephanie Warriner her life, obtained by CTV News after a court application. Doesn't matter how many times I see it, it's gut-wrenching. Hard to watch for her older sister Denise, but it was to be crucial evidence in the manslaughter and criminal negligence charges against two Toronto General Hospital security staff who confronted Warner on May 11, 2020. Her sister says she had tested negative after having COVID-19, but was still suffering symptoms. She went downstairs to, to the food court, and unfortunately on her way, um, where she was masked, she became um, uh, without breath and sat down um, and was evidently really struggling. And so she then brought her mask down to her chin. Her mask comes back up and then the guards push her against the wall. The camera moves away, something the operator briefly lost his license for. And then Warner is limp as she is taken down the hall. She died 16 days later. The Ontario Court of Justice had a preliminary hearing in the case last year, but lawyers for the accused Shane Hutley and Amanda Rojas Silva applied to Superior Court to throw out the decision to proceed, and they won. Justice Dumphy wrote, while there was some evidence from which the Crown could seek findings that the accused unlawfully restrained the deceased and that certain of their actions in doing so were a substantial contributing cause of death, the actions undertaken to restrain the deceased for which there is any evidence were forceful but not violent and consistent with their training in restraining someone. An unusual step, says lawyer Ari Goldkind. A judge took a look at what the other judge did in the court below and said, no, 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 no. There's essentially no evidence here that a jury properly instructed could convict on, so basically ended the case. 
University Hospital Network didn't respond to our questions, but told Ontario's ombudsman they have added 12 hours to guard training, saying, we have dramatically enhanced our focus on de-escalation via training, policy and our philosophy statement. This is so painful, and then there's no um, ending. And I was prepared to accept any verdict that a jury would have presented. A verdict that won't ever happen now as Warner mulls her next steps to ensure what happened to her sister never happens again. John Woodward, CTV News. The Premier spent much of his day visiting with an old acquaintance. Doug Ford and Andrea Horvath pushed their former Queen's Park rivalry aside during a funding announcement in Hamilton, but the visits show they aren't entirely on the same page. Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris joins us tonight to explain Siobhan. Well, Michelle, there were hugs, or no, not hugs, but smiles, warm handshakes, and some jokes between Andrea Horvath and the Premier at that funding announcement. But if you pull Andrea Horvath away from the, the, the podium, you did hear that she has some concerns about the methods the government is using to build more homes in her city and right across the province. From political foes to shared photo ops. I also want to welcome Mayor Horvath who I'm thrilled to be standing with instead of standing across the aisle from her. <laughs> a Me Too from the former opposition leader about the new dynamic with the Premier and his cabinet. I like talking to you this way. It's quite different, but, uh, but productive for the city of Hamilton. After four years of question period sniping, this was the first meeting between Premier Doug Ford and Mayor Andrea Horvath. There are things that um, where we have obvious uh, difference of opinion, uh, but uh, what we're both committed to is having a relationship where we can have those kinds of conversations. Like how far the province will go to build more housing. I'm pretty concerned about uh, not only the urban boundary expansion but uh, the encroachment into the green belt. Ontario's Auditor General tells CTV News she'll make a call early next week about whether to dig into the controversial plan to develop parts of the green belt. It comes after opposition leaders co-signed a letter asking Bonnie Lissick to look at the impact on agricultural and natural systems, how much public wealth has been transferred to property owners, and whether the transactions are in the public interest. I think we're very transparent, and uh, at the end of the day, we need more homes. On housing and health care, the Premier has been adamant the status quo isn't working. But he won't split from other provincial and territorial leaders to get a new funding agreement with Ottawa. We want a fair deal for the province, uh, all the provinces and, and the territories. Ford has voiced a willingness to bend to some federal demands in the interest of more health dollars. I'm very, very confident. So we're going to keep working at it and I'm sure uh, all of us will be out uh, making an announcement hopefully sooner than later. No date for a sit-down between premiers and the prime minister has been set. You may see more of Doug Ford in Hamilton over the next little while. Andrea Horvath's provincial seat is still open there, and the government does have to call a by-election to fill it by early spring. Reporting live from Queen's Park, I'm Siobhan Morris. Michelle, back to you. Thanks, Siobhan. Canadian airline executives were in the hot seat today following one of the most chaotic holiday travel seasons ever. The House of Commons Transport Committee wanted to know who was responsible and how to make sure it never happens again. CTV's Ottawa Bureau Chief Joyce Napier reports. Epic lineups, cancelled and delayed flights, lost luggage, sleeping on terminal floors, hours on stranded planes, and little or no communication 
to frustrated passengers. It was weather, so weather started at all. As airline executives sat down to testify before a parliamentary committee looking into travel disruptions in December, the busiest travel season, airline and airport officials apologized to Canadian travelers. The bottom line is we know we could have done better. From bad weather to staffing shortages to aging infrastructure, airports and airlines were pointing fingers at each other. We believe this committee should demand equal policies for any entity that provides a service that can result in a delay or cancel. This includes government entities, airport authorities, NAV Canada and others. And as the committee was hearing witnesses about travel failure, this. I just got a, a text from a, a certain airline telling me that my flight home has been cancelled. So. A message too many travellers are hearing, but what recourse do they have? Under current regulations, the federal government can fine airlines up to $25,000 for each violation. But Ottawa prefers letting passengers go to the Canadian Transportation Agency, the CTA, which has a backlog of 33,000 cases. Wait time? up to 18 months. Why does this government treat the airlines with kid gloves and why haven't you provided direction to the CTA to strengthen enforcement so that the airlines stop trampling on air passenger rights? We are not treating airlines with kids gloves. In fact, we're looking to, as I said, uh, further strengthen the rules to ensure that passengers are protected. In December, Sunwing cancelled 67 flights and left their passengers stranded in Mexico for up to one week. The CEO explaining they had a shortage of pilots. How did you possibly book travel uh, for Canadians when you did not have crews or planes lined up to service them? This is a, a catastrophic failure. But one of the biggest failures of the industry is the lack of communication to travelers. And both airport and airline officials agree that that could be improved. But so far, aggrieved travelers can wait for hours on hold and for months for compensation. Joyce Napier, CTV News, Ottawa. Coming up, be on the lookout. The man wanted in the murder of a Markham couple is still out there, and police are hoping a reward will help put him in handcuffs. And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, more doctors are now charging additional fees for uninsured services. You could be billed if you need a sick note, a referral, or have to get a prescription filled over the phone. But what happens if you decide not to pay? All of my reports just ahead. Not a lot of snow in our forecast for the GTA, but it doesn't take much to impact the morning commute. So give yourself a little extra time tomorrow. Conditions improve late morning and then colder air moves in. Bit of a change in store for the weekend, but there is an upside. Your weather forecast is coming up and stay with us. We have another full night of great shows for you right here on CTV. Doctors in Ontario are allowed to charge additional fees to their patients for any service that is not covered by OHIP. In the past, many doctors didn't bother to charge the extra cost, but now more of them are asking their patients to pay. Pat Foran explains on Consumer Alert. Pat. Thanks, Michelle. And Nathan, a woman was surprised when her doctor said she has to pay $135 a year to cover uninsured services or pay for them on a case-by-case -case basis. A recent study found that most doctors are now charging the fees. Only about 10% don't. Imagine reaching into your wallet to hand over money to your doctor. That's unheard of. 
A woman we'll call Mary asked us to hide her identity for fear of speaking out about medical fees she might lose her doctor. She was surprised to get a letter asking her to pay annual fees or block fees for uninsured services of $135 per person, $205 per couple, or $240 for a family. If she doesn't, prescriptions by phone will be $20, sick notes $25, and earwash $50. The charge for a tax disability form is $100, a driver medical form is 160. Well, I think that getting a prescription is a medical necessity. Now I have to pay for it. Charging for uninsured services is not new, but now more doctors are doing it. It's becoming more common, the phenomenon of block fees. Dr. Danielle Raz is a professor with the University of Toronto and a family physician at St. Michael's Hospital. He does not charge added fees, but says he is in the minority. A recent survey found only 11% of Ontario doctors are not charging fees for uninsured services. Doctors cannot refuse to look after you for something that is publicly covered or publicly insured if you decide not to pay for a block fee. The Ontario Medical Association told CTV News government regulations have allowed doctors to charge patients reasonable fees for uninsured services. Premier Ford said he doesn't want patients to be out of pocket for medical expenses. We also need to be clear, Ontarians will always access the health care they need with their OHIP card, never their credit card. Mary says she doesn't want to pay for uninsured services and says if doctors need financial help, the province should pay the added costs. If the doctors really feel they're doing work that they're not being paid for, they should bring it up with the ministry and try to get paid for it because it shouldn't be resting on the patient. And the OMA says fees are at the discretion of phys physician. It also says a doctor should consider a patient's financial situation and waive the fees if they cause undue hardship. On your side, I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. And an update on a story uh, Pat brought to you earlier this week. Consumer officials were mulling a potential U.S. ban on gas stoves, citing reports of health and respiratory concerns. But tonight, America's Product Safety Commission says it's no longer considering the measure. The group says it will continue research into gas appliances and indoor emissions. Health Canada says it is not planning any ban. It says using kitchen exhaust fans is enough to ensure the air is safe when cooking with gas. Police tonight want you to be on the lookout for the man accused of murdering a Markham couple in September of 2021. And they're offering big money to help solve this case. Here's CTV's Andrew Brennan. Christie's family has asked that we share a statement. It's been one year and four months since Christy Nguyen and Kwok Tran of Markham were murdered. Nguyen's family have been reclusive in their grief, but shared their pain through the chief of York Police. It's very difficult for us to speak about Christy in the past tense because many days we simply cannot believe she's dead. They say she and Tran wanted to be married. That would have happened this year. She dreamed of studying in England and becoming a lawyer. But that future, they say, was taken from them. Police are still looking for the chief suspect who vanished with little trace. Investigators learned Fong Tan Nguyen boarded a plane from Mexico on the 22nd of September 2021. That was his last known location. 
with no new leads. A bolo be on the lookout. Notice has been put out for Fong Tam Nguyen and a $50,000 reward for information leading to his capture. The program is both local and international, posting the 36-year-old Toronto man's photo and details far and wide. Updates in the case are sparse. Police found Tran's body at a landfill in Watford outside London, but Christy Nguyen's body remains missing. Police now say the search led them to a landfill in the United States with no luck. But with luck, finding Fong Tam Nguyen may lead to finding the body of Christy Nguyen. Police say they were not related, but knew each other. Please be on the lookout for Mr. Nguyen. He's a dangerous suspect. In fact, the 10th most wanted in Canada. Authorities are hoping the $50,000 reward will help compel people to come forward who didn't do so before. But it does come with a time limit. The reward expires in July. Andrew Brennan, CTV News. Let's talk about the forecast. A bit above seasonal, but the fog, a major issue today. Mm -hmm. It was kind of wet, misty out there, and it looks like it's going to get worse. What's in store for tomorrow in particular? Yes, so the fog has lifted in the city of Toronto, but not everywhere. It's still out there. We've got some wet weather happening right now, some rain falling in many areas, and then we're going to start to see a changeover to some wet snow. So waking up tomorrow morning, you may have a few slushy centimeters to brush off your car. Let's take you through what you need to know. Weather is brought to you by train. The most most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. We'll begin with the weather watches, warnings and advisories that are in effect. Still fog around Niagara over to Hamilton and then in through eastern sections of Ontario, mainly just hugging the Lake Ontario shoreline, again with the exception of the city of Toronto. There are winter weather travel advisories in effect for some of those same areas and then areas to the northeast of Peterborough into Petawawa and over toward Ottawa. This is where we're expecting the most significant snow. There's winter storm uh, watches in place as well as a snowfall warning. That's not the case for us here in the city of Toronto. Again, we're getting some rain at this hour or light showers drizzle depending on where you are, but you can clearly make out that mixing line just to our north. Some light snow falling for areas north of that. And this is a big low pressure system. It has a lot of personalities, if you will. It's been bringing severe weather stateside, including some tornadoes. And over the next couple of days, it's going to bring a really complicated forecast to our friends in Atlantic Canada. This system, though, is really just grazing us here in the city of Toronto. The northern edge of the system, you can see just hugging the shoreline of both Lake Erie and Lake Ontario. Here's how this plays out through the night tonight. So there's about 9 o'clock. You can see the mixing starting to happen downtown Toronto and for other communities near the shore of Lake Ontario. Overnight, this is when we get into the wet snow. If the temperature can fall fast enough, we might see a little more in the way of snow. If we hover close to zero a little bit longer, rain will mix in a little bit further. By morning tomorrow, we're still getting some flurries, but the bulk of this system has moved out. Some gradual clearing is expected, and then by Saturday, we're enjoying sunshine. More on that again in just a moment, but first, here's a look at just how much snow could fall. Again, maybe a slushy two to five centimeters in Toronto. More significant amounts for areas of eastern Ontario. I also want to mention the fact that it is going to be windy tomorrow. We're talking gusts maybe between 30, even 60 kilometers per hour. So a cold and blustery day. Tomorrow's forecast daytime high, minus three. Wind chill, minus nine. Here's the seven day. Weekend looks cold, but sunny. I think we'll take it, right? into Monday, a little more in the way of cloud cover, and it looks like a few showers will return by next Tuesday. That's the weather for now. Nathan, over to you. All right. Thanks, Lindsay.
Also tonight, the power of an ugly sweater and hilarious celebrity cameos. What Ryan Reynolds' holiday tradition raked in this year for Sick Kids Hospital. Sick Kids Hospital says its holiday fundraiser featuring Ryan Reynolds sparked tremendous support within the community. Seth Rogen provided the voice for the ugly holiday sweater in this year's campaign. And Maple Leaf superstar Austin Matthews also got in on the fun wearing the sweater and special Sick Kids skates on the ice. The hospital says the campaign brought in more than $580,000 in its 2022 effort for an all-time total of more than $2.2 million raised. An Ontario man's getting ready to wrap up his yearly on-ice mission to fight Alzheimer's. Steve McNeil, who founded the charity National Skate Day for Alzheimer's, completed 29 days of skating at 29 different rinks across the city. He finished off this morning at Nathan Phillips Square and was joined by Mayor John Tory. I'm going to step on the ice tomorrow night in Kingston, Ontario, Springer Market Square, and I'm going to skate for 19 hours and 26 minutes for National Skate Day for Alzheimer's. And... Uh, what we're asking Canadians to do is on Saturday, skate for as long as you like, wherever you like. Whether it's your local outdoor rink like this, the backyard rink. In some parts of Canada, might have a backyard rink this, this, kind of, this time of year in this weather. Uh, whether it's a frozen lake at the cottage, even the pond on the farm. Go slide for as long as you want, anywhere you want. And then go on our website. We have a donate page. We have links set up there for every Alzheimer's society in Canada. McNeil originally started skating and raising money after his mother battled Alzheimer's for more than 20 years. Music legends are sharing fond memories and paying tribute to one of their own following the death of guitarist Jeff Beck at age 78. Billy Joel said in part, he was one of my heroes. I was fortunate to meet him recently, and I'm very grateful now that I was able to tell him how much I admired his musical skill. This is the end of an era. Alice Cooper tweeted, the greatest of all time, he was a friend, and there will never be another Jeff Beck ever. Prince Harry's controversial tell-all memoir appears to be doing very well when it comes to book sales. Publisher Random House says first-day sales of Spare top 1.4 million copies across the U.K., U.S., and Canada. The demand set a new company record for first-day sales of a non-fiction book. Indigo says Spare is also the fastest-selling non-fiction book in its history. Meanwhile, the Toronto Public Library is facing a lot of demand for copies of Spare. Multi-platform writer Hannah Alberga crunched the numbers on how long library users could wait before it's their turn to borrow the book. Those details are at ctvnewstoronto.ca. Tony Mitchell is set to receive a major honor this year, celebrating her contributions to popular music. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone? A Canadian musician will receive the 2023 Gershwin Prize for Popular Song. It's bestowed by the Library of Congress, and Mitchell will receive the award at a tribute concert in March. The singer says she is grateful for the honour. As awards season heats up, the Toronto Film Critics Association is having its say on the best movies of 2022. You okay through there? I don't know. I guess... Charlotte Wells took home Best Director and Best Picture for her film, After Sun. Paul Meskel also won for Best Actor for his performance in the father-daughter drama. The critics named Kate Blanchett Best Actress for her role in Tar after her win at the Golden Globe Awards this week. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. We're very fortunate that nobody was seriously injured in this incident. Updating our top stories, a Toronto high school was placed under lockdown after a gunshot was fired 
during a bathroom fight. Police say a school outreach worker was shot in the foot and was taken to hospital with minor injuries. Police say they're also looking for up to six people involved. I definitely uh, make sure I'm careful about what I'm uh, doing online and my transactions and watching that and uh, watching my bank accounts as well. The LCBO is investigating a cybersecurity breach that knocked out its online shopping and mobile app. Officials warn the cyber thieves may have been able to gather a lot of private information and advise customers to monitor their credit card statements. I've never felt or heard anything like that in my life ever. It was like air punched me in the face. One person was sent to hospital with serious burns and several homes were evacuated following a series of explosions at a business in St. Catharines. Fire crews say the cause is not yet clear. On the markets, the loonie climbed to 74.84 U.S., oil dipped to 78.39, and the TSX ended the day higher by 186 points to close at 20,000 to 11. It's one very tasty way to beat the winter blues. Winterlicious returns this month. Your roadmap to Toronto's culinary adventure just ahead. Local foodies may have spent more time than usual scrolling through menus today as Toronto gets ready for the return of Winterlicious. Not only does it allow Torontonians uh, to experience uh, literally hundreds of restaurants in the city that are among the best that they might want to spend time at, but they get to do it on a very uh, cost-effective, very economical basis. 221 restaurants will offer set-price lunches and dinners, all in an effort to showcase and support the local food scene. Winterlicious starts January 27th, but reservations are open now. The full list of restaurants is on the city website. Looks good. It does. This is a good night to be inside enjoying a meal because rain for some, snow for others. Yes, and still fog in some areas too. So if you have to be out and about on the roads tonight, take care. And you'll probably want to take care tomorrow morning as well. It might be a little bit slippery thanks to some of that wet slushy snow we're expecting. One more look at the satellite and radar and you can see the changeover starting to happen to snow mainly north of Toronto right now, but eventually into the downtown core. A last look at the watches, warnings and weather advisories. It's overnight tonight and into tomorrow morning that condition are the messiest then we start to improve and this weekend is looking sunny but it's going to be cold so bundle up accordingly nathan and michelle all right thanks Lindsay. be sure to join omar sachadina tonight at 11 for ctv national news followed by zarada allman with our next local newscast at 11:30. in the meantime our coverage continues anytime on cp24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca for Lindsay and all of us at ctv news thank you for watching and have a good night